Amen. Amen. Evidence of our faith, evidence of the power of the resurrection. I remember when I was a young Christian, uh, for those of you who don't know my story, I didn't come in to know the Lord till I was in my early 20s. Um, but I, I, when I came into faith, when I, be, I didn't have a mentor, I didn't have uh, really, anyone really kind of leading me, so it was kind of struggling, and I was, I was like anybody else, I, I kind of just came in out of the world, and I believe what the world told me. And so I had a little problem. I knew there was something about this Jesus. I knew there was something there. But I had a little problem with all the, of the miracles, right? And then as I began to see, do things, prison ministries, and hear people at church and meet people, and I would hear these powerful testimonies about how God had changed people's hearts. He had changed their lives from just... Uh, overwhelming circumstances, overwhelming change, I thought, I began to think, that is the real miracle. And any, any God that uh, can change somebody's heart, change somebody's lives and make them a truly a new creation, they can do any miracle they want, right? And that, that's when I began to believe uh, about the power of the resurrection to transform us, to shape us, to make us, to mold us. Um, I think I might have shared one time I had a, and that's what we're talking about, the resurrection. And I think sometimes that's hard for us to wrap our minds around. So sometimes we um, kind of just put it indirectly off into the distance and don't really uh, face it. But the resurrection is the center of our faith. It is the foundation of our faith. Uh, when I was in seminary, I had a professor. I didn't have a professor. I probably would have failed the class. Uh, but I had a professor who, who all the talk, there was, uh, the talk was going around that she had said, if you believe the walls of Jericho fell like they say they fell in the Bible, you're not too bright. And I was just like, I didn't really understand that. Um, but then for, just from a philosophical standpoint, I wanted to go in, I didn't, but I wanted to go in and say, you know, our faith is based on God resurrecting somebody from the dead, right? Because if, you, if that's the foundation of your faith, pretty much everything else is possible. And that is the foundation of our faith. Paul tells us um, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, it is the power of the resurrection. It is the foundation of our faith. If, if, if there is no resurrection, Paul says, then we're to be pitied more than most people because that is the foundation of who we are as Christians, that Jesus has been raised from the dead because he went to the cross, our sins are forgiven, and because he rose from the dead, we are raised with him into new life as a new creation. And that's what we're here today to remember and to celebrate. So our scripture today comes out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. Listen for the word of the Lord. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, 
and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he had said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them there. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Bless you. So, as we walked, you know, I've shared with you that I'm liturgical a couple times of the year, and Holy Week is one of those, and that's why we're not doing communion, because we did it in order, and one of the first events of Holy Week is Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper, and then we move into the beautiful service we had. I hope you had a chance to watch it. If not, go back. It was beautiful, about uh, very profound and moving about Jesus' death and being put in the tomb. And I want us to not, I want us to connect to that just a little bit. Don't get too far of our, ahead of ourselves. And after we, those that had participated or where the story stopped before we reached today, it was a very confusing time. And this morning in the, in the story of the passion, Mary is going to the tomb or the Marys are going to the tomb, and they had, I, 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 they had to feel so hopeless, so powerless, as they approached the tomb. Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher, their friend, the one they thought was the Messiah, whatever that meant to them, was, was dead. And they could not fix it. There's nothing they could do to fix it. They had to feel so powerless. And the disciples, right? They, they had hitched their wagon to Jesus. He was the next Messiah or king or overcomer. Whatever they thought he was, whatever it was, it was gone. He was gone. And they must have realized there was nothing they were going to be able to do to fix it. It must have been surreal that it, that it happened like this. This is not what they expected at all. They must have felt very powerless. I want us just to sit there just a second and think about that. If nothing else today on Easter Sunday, I want us to hear the true gospel and what it means. And if we're going to hear the true gospel, it starts with the truth of, of the world, what the Bible tells us, what our experience tells us. And first, we live in a fallen world, right? This place is not heaven, or at least I hope not, all right? Sometimes in our culture, we, we have it pretty good, and so we, we tend to forget that. 
But most of the time, there's a lot of suffering. And this year might have made it more real to us than any other with all the political strife and unrest, the division, the, uh, just everything that went on, the pandemic. I mean, probably more so than any other year, we felt powerless in the circumstances we found ourselves, no matter what that might have been. But the realization that, hey, this place is not heaven, <laughs> and then we, the, the truth that Jesus speaks is that we live in a fallen world was never, ever more real to us. And the truth also is that there's nothing we are going to do to fix it. Now, I probably shouldn't say this on tape, but uh, when we uh, say Jim, the, the mission statement for the Methodist Church, right? Making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's not really accurate because we're not going to transform the world, right? It will be transformed, but we're not going to do it. We can try and we can try to make it a little better where we are and what we're doing with who we come in contact with, but we're not going to fix it. If we were going to fix it, we would have done it by now, Right? We, we like to say that we're more advanced, more civilized than ancient cultures. We just have better technology. I don't see that we have improved a lot as a, as a race of people, as, as a creation of God, as humanity. In fact, it, we could make a case it's getting worse. But we're not going to fix it. Our relationships, our lives are not what they should be. We struggle with different things in our lives. We put our good face on for church, but, but oh, there's so many uh, people that are struggling, going on, dealing with certain things, either personally or as a family, financially, relationally. I mean, the list is just long, but we don't see that because we hide it. But we know our relationships are broken. We, we are in a broken relationship with God. No matter how good we try to be, we are always going to fall short. I was listening to Pastor Raymond today. He was on fire. And he was talking about the 613 laws of the Old Testament. And if we're going to try to be good on our own, we got to fulfill all of those to be righteous. And we can't do that. So we're, we're not going to fix the world. We're not going to fix ourselves. If, if we were going to, we would have already done it. God has been trying since the fall to, to uh, bring us back into relationship with him through covenant, which we keep breaking over and over, through the law, which we show we can't fulfill. Now, that doesn't mean, as Romans says, it doesn't mean the law is bad. It means it's not, we're not using it for the purpose. It has no saving purpose in it. It is to identify, Luther gives us three purposes of the law, to identify sin, to fill in where the Spirit is absent, and to point out that we can't keep it. In other words, to point us to a Savior. That's what the purpose of the law is. And it, and it doesn't mean it's bad. It is a mirror that reflects our issues. It is to highlight our inability to be righteous enough, to be, to be faithful enough. As I said, if we could do it, we've had plenty of chance. 
And it just doesn't seem well. And so the law, as, hard, as rough as it seems in the Old Testament, then Jesus comes along. It makes it that much more difficult. It, it shows the absurdity that we think we can do it. We, he says, you talk about adultery, right? No, you can't even lust in your heart. Talk about murder. No, don't be angry because that's where it starts. Don't be angry. Don't lust. Man, it was hard enough as it was. And then he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I give up. I'm done. I am powerless to fulfill that law. Now, some of you might be going, Pastor Jim, this is not the Easter sermon I thought that we were going to get today. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is one big but, right? Because everything I just said is laid out in the Bible. That we live in a fallen world, that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough. We can't be righteous enough to be reconciled to a pure and holy God. All of that is true in Scripture. All of that is true if we're honest with ourselves in our hearts and in our lives. But, everybody say, but, but. we don't have to. We don't have to, because that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it's not dependent on anything I do. It is all dependent on what God has already done in Jesus Christ. What God has already done. It is the bad news that makes the good news so good. God has fulfilled, God has, in, in our weakness, we find strength, Paul tells us. Because in our weakness, in our powerlessness, we will find Christ's strength and God's power. But we have to come to that point of surrender. See, that's, that's kind of the, the catch in Christianity, why it doesn't make sense in the world. Because our victory over sin and death, our victory over the oppression that sin causes in our life, our victory that reconciles us to God, our victory comes through surrender. When we surrender our will to God's will, our what we think strength is really weakness to God. When we admit that we are powerless, then we find salvation. See, it's one big but. And that's what we celebrate today. That's what, that's what we are, are all about today, that we have realized that we, there's nothing we can do, but God has already done it. We are forgiven of our sins, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. We are, we are born into a new creation, not because of what we do. You know, there's the self-help business in America is probably trillions of dollars. Whether, whatever aspect of your life that you're trying to prove in self-help and trying to fix yourself and trying to find, if I just get here and do this, I'll have peace and wholeness and fulfillment. If I just do this, if I lose this much weight, if I do, and none of that's bad, but it's not going to fix you. 
But the world is making millions, trillions of dollars trying to get you to fix yourself. But it's never going to bring you fulfillment. It's never going to bring you contentment. It's never going to fill that void where God should be. You know, we try over and over as we, we always have to be careful as those who are religious that we don't fall into the trap of living by the law, of, of, of trying to be good enough, trying to fix ourselves. It's not saying we're not going to approve, we're not going to be a new creation, but the only way that's going to happen is if we stop trying to do it ourselves. It's like a swimmer that, that is drowning, right? You, you know, it's always hard. They, they tell you, don't approach somebody that's drowning in, in, because they fight, and they fight, and, they, and they, they panic, and they might two of you might drown. There, there's ways to do it, but the only way they can be saved if they let go and they trust you, if they stop fighting. And we're the same way. We fight and we struggle and we try to do this and we try to do that and we try to live up to this and we constantly, we might do it for a time being, we might do it for a little while, but then we fail again. And when we try to justify ourselves, sanctify ourselves by the law on our own works, on our own ability, it's a constant up and down and it gets depressing. That's why so many people leave the church because we preach law instead of gospel. And they're tired of not living up to it. They're tired of look, thinking they're advancing and then getting knocked back. And it just becomes this up and down of victory, failure, victory, failure. Instead of saying, hey, I have victory in Christ. It's not about me. It's not up to me. Because I have Christ's Righteousness. I have Christ's faithfulness. Because when God, when we're in Christ, God no longer sees our unrighteousness. He sees Christ's righteousness. He no longer sees our unfaithfulness. He sees Christ's faithfulness. I know Christians, I know pastors that have lived in church or have been a part of church and lived their whole lives and yet have struggled and have failed to see the joy and the, the thankfulness that comes from a relationship in Christ because they're trying to justify themselves. I've, I've worked Christian weekends, and I remember one, it was a walk to Emmaus, and I went over and I saw this 80-year-old man crying. And I went over to visit with him, said, what's going on? He said, I've been in church my whole life, and I didn't get it until now. I thought it was about rules and law and being better than the next guy. And I realized it's all about grace. It's all about Jesus. Can you imagine that? And I think there's a lot of Christians in church today that constantly go into church or read scripture or, or go through their Christian walk and all they feel is condemned and failures because they're trying to use the law and, and to be good enough on their own ability, on their own righteousness. And that's a losing battle. 
And we have to be careful what we're preaching from up here. We have to make sure that people know this is not about what you do. It's about what God has done for you. And when you can let go and and give it to God and surrender to God and realize I am powerless over this, I need you. Then we begin to find true power, resurrection power, a power to make us into a new creation. And and when I say new creation, it's not a self-help creation. It's not a a better version of you. That's what we end up doing. We come to church and we're like, I need to be a better person. So I'm going to go to church. And we start to become, try to be a better version of ourselves. God doesn't want you to be a better version of yourself. He wants you to be a completely new version of yourself. A new creation in Christ Jesus. That's not of this world, but is born of the Spirit. Changed by the power of God. But we have to let go. We have to realize we're powerless to do that kind of thing. Only God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the transformation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ can do that in our hearts. We, don't, we try to change ourselves from the outside in. That's the worldly way. And that never works. It just kind of spruces us up a little bit, makes us more presentable. It doesn't change us. The power that changes us, the power of the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit that changes us into a new creation starts in here and works out. Jesus says, don't worry so much about how your cup looks. Worry about the inside of your cup. That's what counts. The power of the resurrection, the power of transformation comes when we realize we're powerless and we receive Christ through faith. It is a gift of grace received by faith when you trust God. This is the power that changes lives makes new creations in Christ Jesus. It is the power of the resurrection that brings us back from the dead. I, I hear, we hear testimonies all the time of people that were dead in their sins. We're all dead in our sins, but some of us are more obvious struggling in our sins. And it changes our heart and it, and it deforms our spirit. We're all dead in our sins, but I've seen people and heard stories about changed lives that are amazing. And that doesn't come by any worldly power. And we can't do that kind of change in our hearts on our own. We are powerless to do that. But it is in our powerlessness that we find true power in Jesus Christ, in the resurrection. So I'm going to have the band come back up here in just a moment. And we're going to sing a song and see some testimonies about how God changes our lives, about the power of the resurrection to make us into new creations. Before, as they come up, let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. 
I thank you that in you we can become a new creation. But Lord, in order to do that, we must realize that we are powerless to fix ourselves, to reconcile us to a pure and holy God. We can't be faithful enough or righteous enough, no matter how much we might think we are, to be reconciled to a pure and holy God. If we think we can do that, we don't understand what pure holiness is. So Lord, on this day of the miracle of the resurrection, help us to know that through this free gift of grace, by faith, we can all be changed. We can all be resurrected into a new version of ourselves by your power, by your strength, by your Holy Spirit. It's in your glorious name we pray. Amen.